0: you all so this goes to you and to the team for all the hard work we put in day in day out we about to get it in baby let's get it
1: stanton it is uh it is good to see you we we just got a some some news about an hour and a half or so ago before the podcast started that uh the game we were supposed to talk about was canceled we kind of knew this was coming um but at least for me, I had already resigned myself to this game not happening a while ago. And then uh, there was there was something that came up earlier this week where Jay Billis was on some call. I was an Illinois somebody. Um, and he just went on a rant about how college basketball players have basically become essential workers, you know, un- unpaid essential workers. And it's not anything I didn't know already. Um, but whatever Jay Billis says something, it really kind of just hammers at home when it t- comes to to labor and, and college athletics. and kind of was just one of those, no, God damn it, this is all really, really, really stupid. And I knew that. Uh, but you kind of get wrapped up in the season and you're looking forward to the next game and you're, you're focused on the X's and O's and, you know, uh, can, can we put pressure on Tyler Shuck and you just forget this was all very, very stupid from from the get-go
0: yeah this one it's tough because i I agree with you that it's it doesn't make a lot of sense that we're playing sports and doing all these things where people should be you know following the guidelines presented to us, which is like stay home and try and avoid as many people as possible, which is the exact opposite of what playing sports is um, but then at the same time, you'd ask all the athletes the student athletes do you want to play and ninety five percent of them would say yes. Mm. And so you're stuck with this really challenging situation of, you know, probably, a, I, I wouldn't say the majority, but a lot of people, well, maybe the majority, honestly, uh, of, of people want to see these games played, um, and then a lot of people don't, and then the players do, and then obviously the schools have some monetary incentives that 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 kind of sway them into wanting to play these games as well. Um, it's just a. To no surprise and this is you know it's just it's just kind of a mess yeah um, as is everything in life nowadays but um yeah this is a bummer um i'm not i'm I, honestly i'm not too bummed out about the organ game being canceled um like anything being canceled in this season like I'm, I'm basically like almost bulletproof to any of this like bad news at this point um you got your pfizer but- vaccination of bullshit yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like I, I like I didn't even have a reaction when I saw the news this afternoon right. that the game was cancelled. I was kind of expecting it to be cancelled, mm-hmm. like you said. So
1: it reminds me of of the Twitter spat I had with Softy a few months before the season started when he was uh quite perplexed at the idea that um you know the notion that UW couldn't possibly be doing enough to protect its players and um, you know, that the, that the hard work that the athletic department was doing to, to conduct a season um, may have been all for naught. And I should have always remembered that as I kind of got wrapped up in this of like, you know, I was mad at Softy because Softy did not understand correctly as, as we're, we're learning that uh, there was no shortcut. There was no hack. There was no safe way to do this. Um, you know, it, it was always kind of doomed from the start especially, you know, I mean, as we're learning with pro sports and, and college sports, the only way to do it was how the NBA did it, which was impossible um, in, in college sports because there's no contract that the players signed that would allow them to, do, to be able to do that. Uh, and also the NBA is not even going to do it again because because the the cost of having uh, done it, the emotional cost, the physical cost, the labor involved in pulling that off, uh, they've all said it basically for this next season is secondary to just, you know, the the increase in cases and the health effects that'll come with it because they just don't want to do it again. And it's just like, I guess, all right. Like, you know, we're just going to power through it. But I don't know. it's um, It, it kind of puts the, the perspective around all of this that we didn't really deserve a full college season or anything close to it. But I will, I will say it does suck that we uh, talk often about this conference and this conference finally did something seemingly smart by how, how they kind of took a back seat and waited for this to play out and tried to set up the safest infrastructure as possible and just got absolutely decimated um, by this. And then there's conferences that are still having tens of thousands of fans in seats and they're going to be able to just do business as usual.
0: Yeah. It's, it's like we had, we, we, we managed it well to an extent, and then it was like incredibly mismanaged. Yeah. Um. In the sense that we waited and we got all these, you know, kind of policies in place and the daily testing in place, et cetera, et cetera. But then we tried to do it in a very small window, um, and in that case, we've almost kind of screwed ourselves over because of that. Uh. Like like with no, no bi we- weeks, you're saying yeah exactly no bye weeks um a abbreviated schedule so like if you lose one game it it carries much more weight than you know a full slate of games that like the sec has had where it's like one game isn't gonna impact be as big of an impact um so that's that's unfortunate because we we come out of this the pac-12 and the big 10 to an extent um, although it sounds like their situation is going to be sorted out fine they had to tweak some rules. Ohio State's gonna go to the, the championship game. But we we come out of this looking like the biggest losers, even though I think the Pac-12 and the Big Ten were the most thoughtful, uh, at least at the beginning, yeah. uh, about is this right? Should we actually do this? And in the end, we're gonna, you know, that's not gonna be how it's how it's projected to to the nation. Um yeah. That Never. doesn't necessarily matter, I guess, but like, it's just unfortunate that it's that's played out this way.
1: Yeah, that the, the Pac-12 tried to be laser delicate with how they handled this this virus and tried to do the do things right, and the SEC and ACC basically just did blunt force trauma on COVID, yep. <laughs> just play through it, and uh, you know that's you know what one is definitely less right than the other one, but from a, just a pure football perspective and, and and it's it's unfortunate but like there I just don't think that there's any this was an unmitigated disaster for the pac 12 and not, not the way they handled it but just the pandemic and how how ultimately how things will play out the conference already having just huge deficits in terms of in terms of PR and uh, competitiveness uh, against the other conferences and then all of that was stunted through through this um, it really doesn't matter like there's no, there's no way around it. Um, and that's totally secondary to everything else that's going on. Uh, but that is an undeniable consequence to, to this of like, you know, you're not going to see anything like Oregon's not going to play USC. USC not going to play Washington. Probably. Uh, there was no marquee game in the conference. Um, you know, they, they, they had one, one like marquee big noon Saturday appearance and that was it. It's just, I mean, the Pac-12 is basically just completely off the national radar.
0: Yeah, I mean, hey, we have fun watching our shit games at the <laughs> end of the night every week, so I, at least we have that. Um, I don't know if we, we fun will on have Saturday. that in future. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, that was that wasn't at night though. That it was a great evening in Pac-12 games, but um, yeah, it it's a bummer. Um, I th- I think going back to the whole bubble situation you're talking about. Um, with the NBA, you know, I was just listening to Jen Cohen on the radio, um, and she's just was discussing just how frustrating this can this is and uh, how she felt like we've done we being UW have done everything right and have been really smart about things and tried to stay as safe about things as possible. And then this happens the week where we play in Oregon, we're playing for a a berth into the the conference championship game, etc, etc. cetera. And one of the questions she, she was then asked was, well, um, and I don't think there was any, um, I don't think there was, this was a negative motive behind this, but uh, she was asked, you know, like, have the players been doing anything, um, like, have they had to do anything that has forced them to go outside of their bubble, or the the UW football bubble? Mm-hmm. And she responded to that just saying, like, like, I'm paraphrasing, but there isn't any bubble, you know, yeah. like the, these are students that live their lives like the rest of us do. They go to the grocery store, you know, they walk around, they go for a walk outside, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So at the end of the day, you just, you're not going to be able to fully bubble yourself, especially in a, a setting like this. Uh, it's just not possible. And it's naive of us to think that, uh, and I don't think we did, but just to assume that there would be, that we wouldn't Go through something like this, and unfortunately, it has happened at the worst possible time.
1: Yeah, I um, I, I was <clears throat> driving around in Seattle the morning of the Utah game, I believe, uh, either that or the Stanford game. I, I already forget, but um, the the Husky Hogs or the pregame show were talking about the um, you know the, the outbreak at, at Wazoo and how the party schools like Wazoo in Arizona, of course, they have they have COVID outbreaks. Um, as, as if it was just about the schools that have, you know, a, a lower academic standards or, and have are higher rated in that that whatever uh, playboy party school rankings that come out every year. This is just like it is society like that, like unless you do it one way, you are at risk every single time you do anything. And that's what happens. And then you are in close proximity playing a contact sport with other players. This is just what was going to happen. Like there, there was no recourse. And and no possible way to do it unless you are in a hermetically sealed controlled environment like the NBA was. Anything else of that is is not even close to to what was necessary. Um so yeah, one one more example there that like even Jimmy Lake had talked about like our own little bubble, like we're staying in that. Don't even use that word. Like it, it is
0: What does that mean? They're like I mean,
1: yeah. It means you're you are telling... leave
0: at the end of practice. Like that's it mean... that literally is the opposite of a bubble. Yeah, it means you're telling players to do something. They have
1: no contract to sign if they want to have you know see someone that they you know didn't know was exposed, and that's all it takes. One one player. That's all it takes.
0: Um, so yeah, this... the grocery store, and you're you know someone there is asymptomatic. Yeah, there it is. You're literally just getting basic necessities to live. <laughs> Yeah, like, like that's that. all that I do really like, you know, I don't really interact with very many people and I'm still like concerned, obviously, that I'm going to get it just by a fluke encounter like that. Right. So anybody can get this, Um, you know, even the NBA, it's it's honestly amazing that the NBA bubble worked like, mm-hmm. right. That's surprising in itself. Yep.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's just a weird weird situation and and the fact that we tried to force this you know it really makes me wonder if if we had tried a spring season what that would have been like um but i think you still would have run into the same problems nobody's vaccinated yet right you know i mean like it's just you're gonna do this and now you're gonna be the only thing going on and you still f it up like this this would have happened then um after you've just seen a college football season play out it's just You know, either the only way to really do it was what the SEC did, which is absolutely immoral and wrong and terrible. Um, But you know, that's this is where we are. Yeah. That being said, hey, let's get we can talk about a exciting Stanford UW game. Let's get some (laughs) Pac twelve North Champ merch. That's what we want. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Backing into a North Championship, maybe, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. There needs basically. Like if, if you were just a, a true sicko and all you cared about was the success of the Washington Husky football program, what are you rooting for this weekend? Right, three three Pac twelve games to get to get played.
0: You need four or more. Four or more. six, and there's now five right now. So okay. you can only have one more cancellation. <laughs> I, yeah, that's probably bad of me to immediately answer that question as you framed it like only a Pac twelve sicko, which I am. So yeah, who am I to talk?
1: Yeah, well, okay, That's if, if that's what you truly care about, and there might be a couple of who listening who, who are, are thinking completely that way, that's what you've got to root for in the absence of a Husky game. Um, that's your little game to play is just count the Pac-12 games um, that get played this weekend. Basically, four or more happen. Uh, the Huskies are North champs and uh, technically will be the representative in the conference championship game. Uh, but Which that we might not even be able to play in. highly unlikely knows. given that King County suggests that uh, a 14 day quarantine, um, given the UW's rates of exposure would be necessary. 14 days would obviously put them much past the Pac-12 championship game, or any Apple Cup or anything. Um, And this might get so bad that bowl games or whatever is off the table, but there's only like three Pac-12 bowl games left anyways. So what an effing disaster we are in. (laughs) And Stanford might be the last game the Huskies have played for quite some time. Uh, And we'll just start talking about that because it was so much fun um, to see basically a repeat of the Utah game where the Huskies played like absolute ass in the first half, had to climb their way out of it, um, but just did a worse job of climbing uh, this time. And uh faced a more prepared Stanford team, I think would be the easiest way to talk about. But we usually do a four down format here where we have four different kind of angles that we wanna talk about. Uh, Maybe preview the opponent, that's off the table. Um, We figured in the absence of of structure and order in society and in the conference and in sports and college athletics, uh, let's just ditch our format. And we are just going to go at this Festivus style, air some grievances. Just take turns. What what is what was what was <laughs> maddening to you about the Huskies' loss uh, to Stanford last Saturday? Um, this we have about four hours that uh, are allocated for this, so I think we should be able to, to fill that up pretty easily.
0: Perfect. All yep. right, hit it. Excited to start. Um, well, I mean, first of all, this was like the most Stanford game you could possibly have. Stanford controlled the tempo. They limited our possessions on offense. Um, they were clinical on third down conversions they were 10 for 13 two for two on fourth down if you want to go far it just was like i've seen this movie so many times um and i thought we were past that because i thought david shaw had lost that kind of edge but um here we are and we we lost to stanford um we scored we had what three points on the board at halftime it was just it was all bad i mean i think i think you have to pin this mostly on the defense. Don't get me wrong there's faults on both all three facets of the game and we'll get into one that's not as much, you know, not very commonly talked about uh here in a moment I'm sure. But you know, that we conceded on defense 443 yards to a pretty mediocre Stanford team. That just yes. that just can't happen. We we didn't force them the punt until late in the third quarter. That can't happen. Um and then, from an offensive standpoint, we continued to okay. So we had the ball seven times. We scored on five of them. Two of those five possessions that we scored on were field goals that we that we had a first and goal opportunity that we completely squandered. Um, so that's disappointing as well. Um, There's we, so much. I, to talk. I can be. I can dive into so many of those things. Out t- before I do so, why don't you?
1: Yeah, let's let's own that in because you basically laid out the entire buffet of of uh, shit there to, yeah. to discuss. Let's start with with the third down thing. Um, the Stanford was was like you said, ten of thirteen on third down, which means that they didn't achieve first down on third down three times. Of those three times, they went for it two of them and got it. So that means that out of the thirteen times that Stanford had third down, uh, only one time did the Huskies force an actual punt out of all of that or a field or yeah, a field goal or a punt, um, which is absolutely insane. And, and ultimately you think that's, that's bad luck, right? Like, and it, it, it is like, that is insane. And Stanford would, would tell you that. Um, however, there were a lot of things that the Huskies didn't do uh, to set themselves up for, for success on third down a, they didn't get a sack. Um, there were two pressures I believe on, on Davis mills, the whole game, Davis mills is not what you would call mobile. Um, so to not be able to get home on him really hurt, Especially given what the Huskies had uh, been successful in doing in the first three games, uh, and and then just no no turnovers. And so basically, what you allow Stanford to do is be Stanford, be on schedule. You know, pick up four or five yards on first down, gash you, um, you know, hit short plays, hit easy throws, and and then hit a couple lucky ones, and they did. But I mean, if you keep them on schedule, and they're they're not looking at second and sixteen or third and twelve too often. They're gonna do that to you, and that's that's what the Huskies just were completely unable to do. And I could, it, it felt like that kind of game. That I think I believe it was the the first third down conversion that Stanford had on their first drive, where uh, I, I couldn't tell you the, the distance, but essentially they they split Jackson Sermon out wide. They knew that they were in man coverage. Jackson Sermon was covering a, a slot receiver. They said this guy is much faster than Jackson Sermon. And just burned him, and that was it. And it just kind of felt like, okay, Stanford is going to be aggressive and just bully our weaknesses on defense, and do it over and over and over again. And that's that's what they did. And and you know, compared to the other side of the ball or other side, where it seemed like the Huskies kind of forgot what their strengths were and forgot that they could be bullies themselves um, with some of the guys that um, are just better like i'm like i just want to start talking about kate otten right now like the, this is a guy that we we're going to give the heisman to <laughs> last week yeah we we're gonna give the, give the heisman to and he had two targets the entire freaking game
0: yeah all both of which were in the second half <laughs> didn't even <laughs> and, target him in the first half when we were down 24 nothing or whatever there are, it
1: was there are four quarters of us of football and huskies chose to spend one of them uh targeting their best player <laughs>
0: We're already What's, talking about some the offense. We, I don't even know. We're all over the place. It was, there's just a lot of break. I mean, defensively we couldn't get off, off of blocks, uh, really missed Ryan Bowman. Like you yep. said, couldn't Two get in the start. backfield, um, lie to La to still out. No, no clue what his status is. So, mm-hmm. um, or really Ryan get... status is. We, we don't know if it's injury or COVID yeah. or anything. No idea. Yeah. Really struggled to get home in that regard. Um, yeah, yeah. It just and in the offense actually, like in the second half, played pretty well. You had some it's offensive a,
1: statistics in in the second half. They're, yes, they're going to make you in, like just absolutely bash your head into that wall there. But um Perfect. This is from from Christian Capel uh, of the. Athletic. I do that
0: nightly, anyway, so that's very convenient. <laughs>
1: ask what the hole is there. Uh, <laughs> Christian Capel of the athletic. Congrats on the baby, Christian Capel is a guy um, mm, you got mm-hmm. you got to follow if you're if you're a Husky fan um through 11 times in the second half for 182 yards nine completions for 182 yards so a pretty good clip there as you're attacking downfield um this is of course a half where you start down 18 so it's almost like hey if you pretend like you're down your offense works a little bit better uh, and that is just true basically like throughout football like how many times have you just seen it where a team just starts opening it up in the second half and they're able to move the ball because they're they're get out of the stupid, establish the run mentality. Anyways, of the second half, uh, through 11 times, they ran 18 times, 18 designed runs for a grand total of 58 yards. Um, So there were like at least, you know, like I know success rate is a thing and is important, but like just the sheer yardage and impact of those plays there, it's just very clear that the Huskies have not been able to – run the ball well <clears throat> at all in either of the last two games, but they are still bashing it straight up the middle. Uh, I, I don't know, like Kate Otten and Ty Jones are, are clearly your two best offensive threats. And for those guys to have four catches combined um, is is just, it's 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 criminal if you want to win a football game.
0: Yeah, I, I don't really have any words for the Kate Otten one. Like that one just was like, I have no idea. Like yeah. we all know, he's the best player. Everybody on either team knows he's the best player on the Huskies, and and like I don't even care if he's getting double teamed. You're a yeah. power, power five os- offensive coordinator. You're being paid million plus dollars a year. That that's you're getting paid to figure out how to free open your best player, no matter what the defense does, or find someone else that's open as a result of them keying on K dot. And they didn't do that either. Um, well, because you didn't so- throw the ball. Like, how, how can you yeah. find someone else to throw to if you don't? If you don't throw the ball, I mean,
1: the, the whole argument that Jimmy Lake gave after the game of you know, once you start forcing the ball to guys, uh, you got problems. Sure, that makes total sense. You had two design plays for for Devin Culp in the first quarter. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't think you could design a couple plays for like either the best or second best tight end in the country, um, like one a quarter,
0: and then you'd be at a yeah. pretty good clip. I disagree with that entirely, forcing it to your best players. That's what you should be doing. I yes. mean, forcing it to an extent, hell yeah. Stanford gave
1: their best running back the ball 31 times on Saturday. Is that forcing it to him, or is that just what you should do? That's
0: winning a football game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: that You're, you're doing – like, I, I just – I don't there, – there's some things that are just really troubling. We've talked about this, the aggressiveness, the downhill BS that we've heard from this this offensive staff um, throughout that it just – like how do you not get this? This is just readily available, <laughs> obvious information to us idiots that like, this is how the Huskies can be better and win. And instead they're running the ball on second and, or second and goal from the 20.
0: First, first. Yeah. We haven't even got gotten into the worst play call in of the season. If which you're listening
1: was... and you're lost at home, as what the hell we're talking about.
0: Sorry, but this is, this is more therapy than we, than podcast. we all are. Just <laughs> come on in, close yeah. the door the water's warm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that 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 play that you're referring to, I just need to talk about it because we both I remember scratching our heads, dumbfounded. It. And, yeah, uh, it was first and goal on Stanford's ten. This was immediately following the McDuffie strip and Eulophasio recovery and return. We're talking like nine minutes left in the game. We're down by eight points. So this is a big, big drive right here. First and goal from the ten. Um, you have the touchdown pass to, to Ty Jones that's called back for MJ or Ulamu all holding penalty. Creates first and goal from this. Questionable. From this, still, though, it creates first and goal from the 20. Mm-hmm. We run the ball on first and goal from the 20 when you have to score a touchdown in order to like get into this game. Not just and ran the ball.
1: They ran the ball with Sean McGrew up the middle against a nine-man box. Christian yes. Cable posted
0: the picture. Oh my God! And you get one yard out of it. Worst play call of the season, no question in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The next play, you get you're flushed out of the pocket, four yard scamper, another holding call. The the drive's over at that point. You're 30 yards away from from the end zone. Um, I, I I I feel bad about knocking on this to, in some ways because this was the only uh, non touchdown drive of the second half. Um, but you kind of needed it, given how Stanford is playing. Stanford got the ball back here, and we did not see the ball for the rest of the game. They had a 14-play, 79-yard drive that lasted the, over the final eight minutes of the game. Um, just you know, Stanford being Stanford, absolutely killing off the game. Um, and you should you have to know that that David Shaw is going to do that, and they're going to run it, and they don't give it they don't give a shit that you know that you, they're going to run it. Um, so. Yeah, I, even, the, even though we did score three touchdowns out of four offensive possessions in the second half, um, on the surface that might sound great, and that's enough to win a football game normally. But if you look into it a little bit more, like you mentioned, running 20 of the 31 plays in the second half when you're down by 18, 21 points, not good enough. Uh, that's not going to win you football games. Um, so, yeah, it, it was disappointing on both sides of the ball. Haven't even talked about special teams. That might be a good transition if you if you want to dive into that. Yeah, pile I, of uh, shit. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was so frustrating because that was the la- like that touchdown to Ty Jones. It was like, okay, we got the lead back, or like we, we this is are tied. This, this is a normal. This is a, a football game again. Uh, and yeah. then just to go completely ass backwards from that point, that was the last throw to Ty Jones. That was the you know just basically the the last glimmer of hope that the Huskies had in that game. Um, by the way, that that Ulefocio fumble recovery, I scared the hell out of my girlfriend when I when I shrieked nice. uh, at the at the fumble there. And she, was she should finished. know this
0: by now. Like she should be prepared
1: for this. She's not. Nope. Um, we're still we're still working on downs and what those mean. But lots of pro- <laughs> lots of progress uh, has been made. Go. Um, nice yeah okay so so special teams
0: you, it, wait, it, before you start I have Stanford's starting field position off of every kickoff if you want me to kind of set the scene first
1: sure yep I've, yep hit me
0: you might you might have that too but Stanford 35 that was a kick out of bounds to start the game by yes, the way. yep yep so yep. perfect uh Stanford 36 Stanford 31 Stanford 30 Stanford 43 stanford 45 it was called back for holding but they returned it to the 45 so we're going to throw it in there those last two 45 and on the 43 in the second half when it really matters can't have that happening but anyways it was bad they Mm -hmm. started in good field position a lot of times north of the 25 anyways
1: yeah which which goes exactly with what we're talking about earlier of Stanford being on schedule i mean it's it's easier to sustain a drive and to score on a drive when you only have to get you know, four first downs to be in, in scoring territory. And that's what the Huskies did over and over and over when they were giving Stanford the ball back. Um, the Huskies are 103rd in the country in, in special teams, S P plus that's out of 130. This is after making uh, dramatic strides there last year. Um, but the punting game has been okay. Um, the, the kicking game Peyton Henry is six of nine. I was actually shocked that he hit the 45 yarder uh, after all of that mess that you were just describing. That was the only good thing that came out of that. Um, just drilled that kick. They have had problems running into punters. Um that has quelled the last couple of games, but had three of those, I think, in the first two games. Um the the kick coverage has been bad. It, there's it's just it, like Tim Horn was brought in to just like have a this laser leg that can drill just kicks drilling. through the back of the end zone. And yeah. he is pulling up at like the 10. And and this is just a huge disadvantage to have in college football to, to immediately give your give the opponent good scoring position uh, puts a huge strain on your defense and it's it's over and over this is happening so I don't know what they can do to even address that other than having to do what is the worst thing you can do for injuries and um, depth and all that is start playing your best players on special teams which is not what you want to have to be able to do Um, but you got to do it at a certain point if it's costing you basically you know two first downs every single time you kick off Uh, And then the other thing, uh, anyone watch the Stanford Cal game the week before? See how that game ended? Oh yeah. Stanford blocked a PAT. Uh, So what do the Huskies allow uh, Stanford to do? Block a PAT uh, by guess, guess what? The exact same guy who blocked a PAT the previous week. Um, So absolutely nothing is going right in terms of special teams. Um, Peyton Henry, I guess has stabilized a little bit, but Um, the fact that Peyton Henry is even getting used, like he has two field goals that are that came as a result of like true first, like two field goals from inside the 10 yard line this season. He had first and goal
0: on both of those drives. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and it's like, he should be off the field for, for those situations. And the other point I had here is just about aggressiveness. You know, you talk about Stanford's up 21 to three at halftime. It's because you gave them 17 points. Uh, Huskies first drive. They have fourth and four from the Stanford 46. Um, what do they do? They, they punt for a touchback. So you're basically giving Stanford 26, or like it's just a 26-yard punt at that point. Um, it took Stanford five plays to get back to where you punted from. Next drive, uh, you have fourth and goal from the four, or first and goal from the eight, and then you kick from fourth and goal from the four for kick a field goal there. Uh, then the next drive, fourth and six from the Stanford 49, when you're already down, I think, uh, 17 to three at, or 14 to three? No, sorry, 20. 17 to three at that point. Yep, no, sorry, 14 to three because they have to score, <laughs> score and get a touchdown. Sorry, it was 21 to three. They kick, they punt back to Stanford. And Stanford comes back, gets a field goal before the end of the half. Um, a little worked up, as you can see here. So, <laughs> cons- being conservative. All it did was just give Stanford the ball back. And you sh- you saw on that first drive, we had no shot at stopping Stanford the entire game because they're going to go at your worst players. And you're basically just saying, okay, yep, we are going to play right into Stanford's hands. Give the boa constrictor a little bit of extra, you know, breathing room here and just suck the life out of us, please. Um, I, I it's, it's horrible. It's horrible to watch. In, in a a football landscape where everyone is having this massive awakening about going for two and being more aggressive and taking shots downfield to see back-to-back first halves, this team just completely sit on their thumbs and just wait for a team to just smack them across the face and then hope they can get out of it. And honestly, they're, they're lucky that Dylan Morris is as good as he has been to even make these games competitive. These could have been absolute wipeout games. These last two games with Stanford and Utah. Um, they got lucky against Utah, and you know got were, were knocking on the door against Stanford, but you just weren't good enough because you killed yourself in the first half by being this lame, uh, you know, just
0: milk toast
1: offense, and then saving all your best shit for the second half. I don't understand it.
0: Yep, hundred percent agree. Um, you touched on the one one more the other point I wanted to make on special teams, um, and that was the fourth and four punt in the first half yeah um I just to me if if you're punting on fourth and four from like between the 30 to 50 uh range on you know what would be the term the plus side of the field or whatever basically in Stanford's territory between the 30 and 50 if you have fourth and short or even medium like Mm -hmm. four or five yards I think you should be going for that um but you sh- if you're punting, you better make damn sure that it's not going for a touchback. Yep. Because punting to get, you know, 26 yards there, net 26 yards doesn't do you anything. That needs to be inside the 10-yard line every time. So I hate to, you know, kind of pinpoint that, but that needs to be better. So all the field position stuff, sure, tack that on, punting in that situation as well. And then on the flip side, um, giving the ball back to them, if you're play calling to not not to lose rather than to win, then you need to be going for it forward in those situations because you know you're just you're not going to get see that have the output that you need on the offensive side of the ball. I was just really disappointed in um, the way that John Donovan called this game because it didn't feel like we were being that aggressive team that that him and Lake have said so many times that we would be and that would be the the main difference this season with our offense compared to last season um and i see all the same stuff if not more so a way more conservative approach to things um and it's just obviously we saw the result of that on saturday it's
1: almost like they watched the utah game and were like that was fun let's do that again it's like
0: no that was that was you can't fun. expect to, <laughs> yeah you can't expect to have an historical comeback that was two fun. straight
1: weeks but you know like stanford won that game in the first half all they had to do was score one touchdown in the second half and that was over utah couldn't do that utah, utah couldn't score a touchdown in the second half and that's why the huskies had a chance to win utah played wonderfully on offense in the second half well they threw they threw wonderfully that wasn't enough because because of the the sins of the first half and basically just conceding the first 30 minutes of the game i just don't know how you watch the second half against utah and, you know, now the last second half that you have all season with Stanford, you know, if there was another game and they started slowly and started uh, as boring as they did, I would, I would lose my mind. You are mm-hmm. seeing that this team works better uh, when they run with tempo, they attack downfield, they get their playmakers involved downfield. And if you choose to do that and just ignore that and say, okay, we'll save that for the second half for some reason – and really only because you're down, that's the only reason you're doing that. You want, you want to be up 14, nothing at the end of the first quarter. And then you're, and then you're looking back. And the, the thing that I was going to bring up with aggressiveness, you know, in terms of like the, the, should you go, should you punt all the stuff that I can find that's, that's documented of the, the charts that are getting made. That's, that's all in a, in a NFL environment where you have, uh, you know, NFL punters and NFL kickers who can you know, make, make it so it's a pretty much an inevitability that wherever you're kicking from, you're going to get those three points. You can't guarantee that in college football, and you can't guarantee that the punt is going to go where you want, like you, you, that you need an S-class punter in college football to be able to pull that off. Huskies don't have that. Um, and, and it is I, – I, I don't know. It's like obviously this team could recognize who their best players are uh, and the best ways that they can score and their best chances of it. But it just hasn't come to practice in, in these last two games.
0: Speaking it's making of me hate player... the
1: Utah game, even though I, I said how awesome of a game that was.
0: Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of flaws with that game. That was yeah. papered over by a comeback. Um, well, speaking of best players, I think it needs to be mentioned that um, Richard Newton did not see any game time again this this past week. Yep. Um, which is, we, we talked about it, last week on the podcast but who knows what the situation is there but that's a big loss especially when you're not really doing much offensively on the ground Um, especially you know when you should probably mix it up and bring some new new faces in in the second half when it's not working Um, to to compound that even further Kamari Pleasant only saw four carries six yards in those four attempts Um, season low 18 snaps for him not really sure why um I, I you know no knock on mcgrew but that wasn't working so you might as well mix it up a bit um they didn't feel the need to do so cam davis only had three carries for 14 yards i yeah i don't know it just it just was strange that there was not as many people in, involved um from mm-hmm. a running standpoint as well and and they were all suited up as far as i'm concerned yeah, it's
1: and, you know, it's college football. So we get no answers. Um, we get yes. v- vague answers that, you know, uh, Richard Newton isn't practicing hard enough or well enough or something or um, might have COVID. Who the hell knows? We, like absolutely nothing. And, and the only real evidence that we got about any COVID situation was after the game when Ty Jones um, said that, that it was unfortunate that, you know, players were out due to coronavirus more than, you know, a coaching staff would say or uh, anybody else? So yeah, absolutely maddening. Um, I don't really have a lot else to say about the actual game. I do want to save a special se- section here for the officiating, um, which was, of course, atrocious. Um, <laughs> because there's just no other way to do it. First of all, John, no. Wil- John Wilner as always, uh, had a great profile um, earlier a couple weeks ago about um, the the guy that the Husky or the, the guy that the conference assigned to to basically you know fix. Uh, officiating the conference. Is this and, Woody? Uh, no, this was to replace Woody. Uh, ah, and this guy because has, he was an issue. <laughs> yes. Uh, Woody Dixon, the guy who uh, intervened, uh, was the pac 12s general counsel and intervened in the targeting call with USC, uh, Wazoo a couple years ago, that was a mess. So in order to, to fix that, they brought in this guy, something Coleman, and this guy has officiated two games, two Mac games in his entire life. What year though? Uh, do, you, do you know this was in
0: the nineties, the I believe. 1996. Uh, that would was, be 24 years ago, by the way, just yeah. to do quick math.
1: I'd say football's changed a little bit since yeah, then. Just a bit. Um, uh, so anyways, of course it's, it's an absolute mess. Um, we've documented that the Oregon, Oregon state game a couple weeks ago, uh, the Utah game last week. Um, this week we have the two, the two most uh, ridiculous ones, the Jalen McMillan, catch I definitely I I thought had a hand under it but the of course it wasn't reviewed um, in the second quarter would have obviously helped the Huskies who were struggling to move the ball offensively that quarter Uh, and then late in the third quarter it's it's a third and seven Uh, Stanford's tight end appeared to be stopped well short of the first down line move the chains uh, not challenged at all um, even if it was challenged, I uh, I just have zero confidence that they would actually reverse any any spot decision uh, in this conference. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely doesn't help when you are already enraged by your own team that you are getting just a, a piss poor output uh, by the officials over and over and over, um, and just obvious stuff. Like I'm not I'm not going to get on you if you're missing holding calls. I'm probably not going to notice those. I'm not going to get on you if if you call it a you know. Uh, defensive pass interference. So it could have been an OPI. Those are tough. This is like on the broadcast. You can see his hand is under the ball or he is across the first down line or he is not. And we can't get that right.
0: You know, I I try to apply reason. And um, when I'm trying to figure out why this is still a problem. And then I remember that this is a conference led by Larry Scott. Um, So, you know, quality and doing a job correctly is never the priority um but humor me i it's just fascinating and i'm not making any comments that that you know are out of the norm here but it's just fascinating to me that people continue to do their job poorly and they continue to be employed and this has been going on for like two full decades like we're going back to oregon oklahoma yep uh on-site kick debacle in like 2006 um, where this was an issue and nothing has been changed. Um, It's a well-known kind of joke across the country at this point. Pac-12 refs suck. Um, I I just don't understand how the conference can't try and get ahead of this and and fix it. Um, It doesn't seem to be plaguing anybody else. Uh, I I could be wrong. I mean, officials make incorrect calls in games all the time, but not at a consistent rate that they do in the Pac-12. I mean, you can you can speak to multiple plays in every game this year that we've played where it's been like, what the hell is that all about? I mean, like you mentioned, the Oregon State game where they had back to back what looked very clearly to be first downs and they didn't get it. And honestly, that kind of was the game. Like we ended up winning that game and, and that was a big reason why. Mm -hmm. Um, So like we're talking about play calls that are deciding games. Uh, I'm not saying any play calls decided a game this past weekend. Um, But like it, it has to be better. There's, There's so much money riding on all this too. Like the fact that there's seemingly no urgency to fix it is just, amazing to me yeah like if i did a pretty bad job like during my like in my normal job i get fired mm-hmm. that's how like that's how jobs work especially when they're public right like
1: yeah. the, the, the official's job it's not like you know you know in theory um uh someone you know like if i had a bad presentation and everyone saw it then people would be like well you know we'll give him that one monday to friday he's he's kicking ass in, in the nine to yep. five part of it but you know everyone has a bad day the official's job is a three-hour period, and and it has to be done very well in that three-hour period. There's nothing else to judge upon. Was he? Was he? Did he make a joke in a meeting that I missed? Like, why? Why is this this official? Why you know? Why is his manager uh, in a good position to retain their job when they can't do it? Like, and and there's it's well documented that the the Pac-12 doesn't have a feeder system um or our development systems they don't partner with other conferences basically to say hey mountain west um you know we will help we will kind of help train your officials uh the good ones can come up to our to our league you're basically just picking from a pool um of of officials that suck in our retreads or or you know just don't have the the pedigree that that others do I, it's like it is that simple and you're asking for it until until you do something to, to really change it um
0: i it, I don't know and and then add like two decades worth of that on top of it like you you were saying that it was bad if you saw it over a three hour period try two decades (laughs) and and it to not understand that all of this is connected like like you have you have a bad
1: product that is objectively a joke like you are you are a laughing stock in every way uh for so many reasons and it just matriculates into this this aspect of just like if you could just clean one thing up like clean one little mess then it wouldn't look like such shit, but you choose to have everything be a C plus product. And it culminates in worse than that because you're judged by other places that do it well.
0: And it's not even one of those scenarios where it's like everybody else thinks the conference is shit and we're like, oh no, it's like, it's not bad. You don't understand. yeah, they don't. They don't see all the details of it. It's like, no, we all think it's it's shit too. No, like it's it's all, worse, and it's PAC worse than support. you think it is. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> there's a lot of things you haven't seen or heard that are way worse. Mm-hmm. So, like maybe that uh, that Pac-12 headquarters in San Fran, for instance. Yeah. The yeah. it's a area code in the country. There, there was a
1: big Ryan Rosillo rant of, of like a month or two ago about Pac-12 ineptitude, and it's just like, yeah, yep. dead on. This is all has been out there for a long time that this is, this is how bad it is. Like John Canzano and John Wilner just take turns tag teaming, just dropping elbows in the pac 12 month after month, year after year in every way possible. Um, and <laughs> that's all they actually write. I think seriously I only think they do
0: uh pack 12 hit pieces.
1: They, they have been able to maintain employment just because of the, the conference's sheer ineptitude. Yeah. Um, So that makes me feel better. It's not our fault. It's our, it's our, it's our (laughs) our conference's fault that Stanford whooped our ass on Saturday. Yes. Uh, Well, one of the bright spots in the game was uh, quite the catch by, by Ty Jones down the left sideline, a one-handed just snag, like good gloves, obviously, but my God, that was, that was a ridiculous catch and well needed for the Husky offense to kind of spark some, um, some life and just move the ball down the field for once. Um, I don't know what the score was then, but obviously it was uh, a lot to a little. Um, still, it was twenty-one three. to three at that point. Definitely yeah. needed it then. Um, so that got us thinking uh, in our in our new kind of top two segment. That was a random ass catch that was forgotten to the, the the sands of history because the Huskies lost, and you know it's a game against Stanford in the middle of a pandemic. But there are a lot of those in the history of of, of Husky football. Uh, what are your two favorites or two that come to mind? when you're thinking of random great catches in Husky history.
0: Yeah, uh, emphasis on the latter of that, Two that came to mind. I, I probably need to put more thought on this to come up with two favorites. Um, but the first one that came to mind was, this is a very random one, but the John Ross catch at Oregon in 2016, where he uh. was just like on a dead sprint down the middle of the field. We were in the red zone, and he caught it in like, in full stride in the back center of the end zone and just got a, a toe in. Um, it wasn't like a crazy one-hander or anything, just like everything came together perfectly from a timing standpoint. Um, so that that's one that I really enjoyed that maybe was a bit overlooked or not as appreciated, I guess, as, as I do. Um, that was one. And then my second one, I kind of was lazy, but just like any of the Dante Pettis one-handed catches, there's like – There's probably at least five of them, most of which go for a touchdown. Um, So just choose any of those because he was the king of that.
1: You got me thinking because I I had these as like big receptions, but not necessarily like focusing on the the catch because I couldn't think of any. Uh, There's that John Ross one. There's also the John Ross one in the Pac-12 championship that year against Colorado, the horrible throw by Jake Browning that it was oh, yeah. a screen pass that Ross just one-handed spun and then yep. took it to the house. Uh, yep. That was ridiculous. Uh, another couple come to mind, and I know there's at least another one from Quentin Pounds, but the Quentin Pounds catch against Auburn, the the one-handed touchdown, um, was absolutely filthy and was another one lost a Husky loss, but um, just a random blip. Cause Quentin pounds never did anything after that. Other he than only have-
0: caught big, like <laughs> just Matt huge catches like for yeah. touchdowns.
1: He had a touchdown against Colorado uh, the year before, yep. I think, but that was basically it from, from him. But that was absolutely nasty, crazy, crazy athlete. The two I actually had, I had three Moreland um, wood, the hail Mary that he caught against Cal in a really, really stupid yep. game. Uh, In like 2007, uh, (laughs) back in the dark days, it was a it was a true Hail Mary, like end of the game situation. And he uh, caught a a tip from a heave at at Cal the send in overtime. Uh, And then that's right, because in overtime, what happened was Marshawn Lynch uh, did it to the Huskies and ended up uh, ghost riding the whip with the, the cart. So if everyone loves that clip from Marshawn Lynch, you have Marlon Wood to thank for that. Um, Marlon Wood always tantalizing with his speed. Never did anything else other than that, at least on offense. Uh, <laughs> and then another one: the Craig Chambers Hail Mary reception against Arizona um, from when I was a kid. That was like a seventy-yard pass in the air from Isaiah yep. Standback, um, caught in stride in the end zone. It was. It's on YouTube. It is like truly. It's. It's in a. It's in a compilation of of like insane hail marys on YouTube.
0: Uh, that was to end the first half. Yeah. Can I remember that correctly?
1: Yep. In like a rare Tyrone Willingham road win. Um, uh, yeah. Before, before Jake Locker got there. Um, very weird. And then just a, a great catch in, in Husky history that wasn't even that remarkable of a reception, but the moment was huge was the uh, Jermaine Curse third and I couldn't tell you the, the distance, but third down catch to set up the Eric Folk kick uh, in 2009.
0: Uh, yep the out route that he got down to like the 15 or whatever yes oh god uh, i can i picture can picture it, it i've seen that youtube video so many times i can literally picture it in my head and this and the the camera is like shaking all <laughs> yeah. over
1: <laughs> yeah that was that was uh the straw that broke husky stadium the original one yes uh, was yep. was that that uh that event there those those are my three but Nice. Quinton Pound, Pounds and John Ross came to mind after you started talking about great catches because I completely
0: forgot about those. I was also even thinking it's not, a, it's not a wide receiver, but I was thinking about like the Kevin King one-handed INT. Um, yes. That, that's like an amazing catch that comes to mind as well. Yeah, that was, that
1: was beautiful. Other side of the ball. Um, I feel like there's been great catches made against the Huskies too. The the in that Auburn game, there was that random white guy, Sal Iacona or whatever that that got a touchdown. Oh, the,
0: yeah. Uh, it was yeah. like his only catch of the season or some yeah. stupid like that. Was, well, there, hell, there the, the third third and long conversion this past weekend oh. um, for Stanford. That was an amazing catch
1: by the pylon there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, uh, that was near our our. Uh, or Nick Holt cut out too. That was a pretty good chance if they would have panned up from there that, that we would have seen that. Uh, that would've made
0: that would have made amends for the entire game, I think.
1: Whole pandemic solved right there. Yeah, we just yeah. it was some Nick Holt action. Um uh, all right. Well <laughs> good good top two, good reminiscing. Uh we've we've officially blamed the conference. We have uh walked down memory lane to, to happier moments. Uh we can start unwinding this podcast. Uh, do, you have, do you have any problems? We're already there.
0: To... Like I don't even know. Like like I know. we I feel like we just like went through a big it's like that uh like charlie brown when they play football there's like a big dust cloud and then they just (laughs) i feel like that's what just happened we're now just exiting that cloud yes and thank you all for for uh wafting that (laughs) cloud uh with us we appreciate it
1: uh i have no pro dogs of the week i miles gaskin is back that's great news Um,
0: yeah 21 carries 90 yards two catches 51 yards beautiful
1: his 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 use in the it like not just like playing in the NFL but like being one of the Dolphins' best players, remarkable,
0: awesome. It, it honestly doesn't surprise me. I've no. go, I've gone on record on this podcast and said that Miles Gaskin is maybe the best Husky ever, football player ever. So, um, doesn't m- surprise me. MMFG baby, yeah, uh, that's who you're going with, Gaskin. Gotta be. Okay. Um then I'll choose another one because I got a, I threw a couple on here just to be, be safe. Uh Drew Sample. He led the um he led the Bengals with seven catches for 49 yards. Um I don't I have no idea if they won, but good for Drew. Um Greg Gaines had a fumble recovery. Good they know. for Greg. Um Hunter Bryant, as far as they can tell, uh, suited up and played for the Lions for the first time this season. He didn't he didn't uh, log any statistics, but he got on the field. Um, so that's something to, I guess, be happy about. Um, I think I, Hunter Bryant went through the
1: trifecta of having a concussion, a like lower body injury of some sort, and COVID um, up, to, up to this point. So uh, rough sailing rough for, our, rookie for, year. for our boy. Um, but obviously yeah. an intriguing player, if the Lions could ever figure out a way to get him on the field. Um, yeah. uh, all right, cool uh good on drew sample just just picking up yards seven catches yeah. for 49 that's eerily similar to uh a, a michael stanton turkey bowl line right there oh yeah just yeah
0: just, just uh just kind of moving the chains nothing flashy but just efficient uh flying under the radar probably that like, would be with my UW custom stanton jersey by the way negative <laughs> two thank yard- you grandpa negative <laughs> two yards after the catch maybe um like <laughs> yeah <laughs> my yard my yac is actually negative in yeah. total. <laughs> beautiful um
1: oh, <clears throat> all right great cat of the week i have slow starts and and john i have so many they, they could go into this nice. john donovan um jimmy like press conferences and I'm, I'm starting to hate all of it it's 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 getting toxic yeah. over here
0: yeah um i put down the pack 12 title game debauchery we alluded to it a little bit at the start of this podcast, but there is a situation where so obviously the Huskies aren't playing Oregon, so by default we are. You would think we are the pack the Pac-12 North champion, but you know if if more games get can, gets canceled, it like we talked about, um, we need four to happen this week. If if less than that happens, then they default to a situation where. Colorado and USC would play instead because uh, it has to do with overall rec- like record across the whole conference because the average number of games per team is lower than five. Um, but then there's, th- let's just assume that doesn't happen um, and we do make it into the Pac-12 title game. You still have the issue of Colorado potentially going undefeated this year in the South, assuming they are able to beat Utah this weekend. And not going to the conference championship game simply because their USC uh, Colorado game got canceled earlier this year, and USC is still undefeated. So um, that could be an issue as well. That that hasn't really we haven't touched on at all. That you could have an undefeated team not go to the conference title game. So I had that as my um, as my great cat. I also, as an honorable mention, Nate Oates, Alabama basketball head coach. Um, just just watch the video. on on twitter uh the guy basically responded to coach k questioning whether or not they should be playing non-conference games and he said it was only because coach k's duke team had lost two already and that is in my opinion very much so not the reason why coach k was um saying that you know we shouldn't be playing and by the way duke has uh this afternoon canceled the remaining of the remainder of their non-conference games regardless so um, yeah, that's my honorable mention.
1: Yikes! Yeah, uh, there's probably a, a, a great cat in there for the uh, the whole Nas Carter situation at at, at U as well. Yep. But uh, uh, at least for the OKGs, let's let's at least just give it to the the student journalists at, at the the daily, um, the student newspaper at, at UW Dub for uh, bringing those allegations to to light, and for mm-hmm. you know, given that the uh, that the uh, charge had been. Draw, or put against Nas Carter in April and we didn't find out again or about it until uh, mid-December. Um, you can thank student journalists for, for, you know, taking eight months of darkness and bringing it to the light. So good on them. Uh, and obviously yep. that situation is, is worth looking more into, um, but not something that we'll cover here today. Uh, really unfortunate though. Um, not the best look I think for, for everybody involved. Anyways, OKG, I have uh, Eddie Ulofosio, 18 tackles. He continues to just be an absolute godsend. Um, for for this Husky defense, because uh, the not like the entire linebacker situation is solved. So let's just say that um, Jackson Sermon has has uh, struggled, um, and Eddie Ulefocio is is doing a lot of uh, he's doing the yeoman's work um, to to bring guys down, uh, especially when you know dudes can't get off blocks and a lot of guys are making it to the second level. Uh, Ulefocio is taking five yard gains that could have been, or could have taking plays that could be, you know, huge gash runs and making them five or six yard gains. And that's uh, an
0: important function of any defense. Yep, that is actually who I had as well. Um, For as much as we bashed on the defense in this podcast, um, can't overlook Eddie's game. You said 18 tackles, he had 14 last week as well against Utah, so two weeks ago. So um, he's been in pretty good form Of late, he had two fumble fumble recoveries this week as this past week as well. So um, it would have been a lot worse if it wasn't for him out there. So good on Eddie for for standing in there for us. And my last OKG
1: is uh, my first microphone. Um, It uh, it perished in in the flight um, back from from Boston to Seattle. Uh, It had uh, survived. I got that my senior year of college. My 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 dad gave it to me as a gift. Um, maybe my junior year, actually, I just didn't use it until, until afterwards. Um, but, uh, yeah, over a hundred podcasts recorded on that. Um, we got some serious mileage thing works great. ATR US or no audio technica, um, is the brand. If you're ever looking out there for your own, um, got a new one upgraded, but, uh, I'll miss the other one. So thank you a little sleeker. Um, but I miss, I miss the old junky one. So uh, to end this podcast, I will play that uh, bagpipe song that you hear at funerals uh, in honor of the microphone. So <laughs> perfect, and, and in honor of this husky season, uh, and in honor of morality and so many other things. Uh, good night and good luck, everyone.
0: <laughs> Go <Out> dogs. <laughs>